You're listening to the Calm Collective Podcast, and I'm your host, Cassandra. This show was created with the sole intention to bring forth human connection, a space for you to be truly heard, felt, and understood. Here, we dive deep into experiences with grief and loss, growth and expansion, and the human experience as a whole through candid conversations. My mission is to leave no stone unturned so that together we can be reminded day in and day out that we're never in any of this alone, that the ability to create a life that we love, a life that we deserve, is within us. Hello, hello, and welcome to another episode of the Calm Collective Podcast. I'm Cassandra, and as always, I'm so grateful that you're here. Um, I have another candid grief conversation that is airing today, and I'm just, man, I know I sound like a broken record, but I just can't believe that once I put out the invitation for others to come on and share their own personal grief stories, how many of you flooded my inbox and have inquired about coming on the show. It just truly sets my soul on fire because this is the work here, right? Is ensuring that you, whoever needs it, has the space to come and reflect on their loved ones who have passed and to... Just to vocalize the experience, that in itself can be so profoundly healing. I know for my own experience, it truly is, and that's why I value this podcast so much, but I just want to say thank you to all of you who have been submitting um, your request to come on the podcast. I can't wait to have you. There's not one person that I will ever turn away um, who wants to share. I think it is... It is in the best interest of all of us to have these conversations, to listen to these conversations. Um, It is such a great learning curve for empathy. It is such a great learning curve for compassion and to be able to support those in our lives who um, are going through grief. Even if they haven't yet, they will, right? Death is inevitable, and I think it's so important to really talk about these subjects um, candidly. And so that is why I have dubbed the name Candid Grief for these um, specific conversations. And to make it easier for you when these episodes go go live, you know exactly what to expect. Um, so today I am talking with Joe of Life Glows On. She is such a sweet powerful soul. I was lucky enough to be on her podcast, Life With Less. Um, I was her first her first guest, which was really sweet and special because um, when she started to begin the journey of starting her own podcast, she had reached out to me and asked for some advice. And it was just so fun to be able to help a fellow oversharer, as I joke that podcasters are. But in this episode, which I thought was so important to share is... Um, Joe's experience losing not one but two people within 12 months' time. And not only do I think it's important because of cumulative grief, which I go into on this episode, in case you're like, what is that? Um, Not only because of that, but also because of loss during a time of COVID, um, her first loss being right before lockdown. And I think it's so important to hear Joe's story and how she reflects and appreciates um, guidance and support and really extending that, that arm out and asking for help. Um, it's one of the bravest things that we can do. It's one of the best things that we can do. And it's also one of the hardest things that we have to do. Um, also Joe is such a beautiful sounding board for being an advocate for mental health. We get into that. Um, and truly, I just think that this is an episode for anyone, whether or not you can directly relate, uh, Joe just has such a sweet, beautiful way of relating. We also go on to talk about um, void feeling, especially when it comes to grief or loss or feeling um, feeling out of body, out of sorts. We as humans tend to revert to things that we think feel good in, in real time, right? Like spending a ton of money on things that we don't need or accumulating things that we don't need. 
overcommitting ourselves. And we dive deep into intentional living as well as our approach to minimalism, which we both um, have in common. That's actually how we got in touch with one another was because of our um, passion for intentional living. So, okay, I'm not going to keep you any longer. I can't wait for you to listen to this episode. Let's get to it with Joe from Life Glows On. Do you know Uh what your human design is? Yes. What are Um, you? I'm a self-projected projector. Oh, so am I. Oh, how funny. (laughs) What, do you know what your profile is? I think I'm, I'm one three. Okay. So the three is definitely like you sharing your experiences. So that makes so much sense. Yeah. Literally having a, I'm so excited for you to keep on with the podcast because I think you're going to find being self-projected. Oh, it is so helpful. Because essentially you're just like talking through hearing yourself talk and like that throat chakra vibration of just like getting stuff off of your chest has been so amazing. Yeah. I Um, didn't even know that until recently. I had a reading with, um, Caitlin actually recommended her Nikki J. Oh yeah. I've had one with her too. She's great. Uh, Yeah. And she was like, you need to like be creative and like talk things out and, um, like put like that G center, I guess G center throat. Like Mm -hmm. it means you need to speak your stuff into the world. And mm-hmm. I was like, Oh, it's like, and then I was looking it up today actually. And it was like, but you're, you almost pause before doing that. Cause you're afraid of the judgment. And that's kind of where I'm at. <laughs> oh yeah. That like, it's probably like an open sacral center or something like that, where it's like mm-hmm. a worth thing where you're like, who's going to want to hear what I have to say. I'm scared. Yeah, totally. Yeah. That's so cool <laughs> that we're both self-projected projectors. And, and I have a three in my profile too. I'm a three, five. So funny. Mm-hmm. I'm, like, not surprised, though. <laughs> no, me either. I know. Anytime that I, like, really click with somebody or I feel like I'm, like, I've known them longer than I have or better than I should, almost always there's something like that in common, like, same birthday or human design or something. It's pretty cool. I'm so grateful to have you on the show. I was beyond honored to be the first guest on your beautiful podcast, Life With Less, and It's been so fun to watch you grow and expand within that platform. You are such a natural at it. Thank you so much. And thanks for asking me to be on yours. I am just so appreciative that you invited me to share my story. So of course, yeah, I'm excited. It's my pleasure. Yeah. So when we were recording on your podcast, it had come up that you have been through so much um, as it relates to loss recently and something you shared during our conversation really moved me how you've had a bit of a complex when it comes to sharing because you didn't want to burden anyone. You didn't want to bring down the mood or make others feel sad. And this is such a real thing that so many people experience when going through grief, that feeling like they're responsible for other people's emotions and reactions. Yeah. (laughs) So, I mean, it's, it's like one of those things where I'm like more recently, with the loss of my brother. Um, it's like, man, I'm having a really tough day today. I kind of want to talk to my mom about it, but oh my gosh, what if this is her one day of relief Mm, and I'm going to call her up and completely ruin her day. And then on the other side of it, it's like, what if she really needs me too? And she's not Mm -hmm. saying anything because she thinks the same. So Mm -hmm. gosh, it's just, it's tough. Yeah, (laughs) it is. Well, and then when, when you had mentioned that it was like a light bulb went off and that's when I knew like right then and there that I wanted to have you on as a guest because as we talked about before we started recording like I just truly believe that sharing and cracking open is how we not only help to heal the collective like others going through similar things but we start to normalize the conversation around it and the more air and like the more vocal vibration we give that space the more we start to heal ourselves too and you you give an opening to, for example, like your mom, to where she she's kind of like seeing you lead by example. Like, okay, like she can speak about this freely and openly. That gives me the permission and the safe space to do the same. Totally. Yeah, I think that part is really important and I'm learning it too as I I recently joined a grief group. Mm-hmm. Um and I met this girl who I really click with and we kind of decided on that together as well. Just kind of like you reach out when you're like, so she actually lost her brother as well. Um, the same exact way. And so she was, we just kind of made that agreement early on. Like 
you reach out when you need someone to talk to and I'll do the same kind of thing. But even there, like I find myself, Mm. you know, gosh, I don't want to, I don't want to, you know, kind of put this, you know, heavy thing in someone's day. But I think definitely opening up the conversation, um, and finding new ways to do that without having to feel like that is, is really important. Absolutely. So before we dive too far in, I'd love for you to give us just a little background where you're from, what your childhood was like, and what is lighting you up now. Of course. Um, So I am from Northeast Ohio, uh, a small suburb of Youngstown, Ohio. Um, Very interesting place. I I wanted to move out right away uh, when I turned 18, but now when I go back, it's just I have such lovely memories of, of my small little town. Um, so growing up, uh, my brother, you know, he's, he was eight years older than me. Um, so we had quite an age gap. My mom was a waitress, um, and worked super hard to support both of us. Um, she's a wonderful woman and I'm so grateful for her. Um, and my dad, uh, also, you know, it was kind of an interesting dynamic because even after my mom and dad weren't together anymore, um, they still <laughs> remained great friends. Mm, um, I and love my that. Mom met, <laughs> I know. It's so funny. Um, and my mom met my stepdad and, you know, I lived there essentially until I graduated and moved to California. Um, so at this point in my life, I, I live in California with my husband and our two cats. And, you know, I, ha- I'm so grateful for, um, my job. I, I have such a great job here. It's, it's pretty much, you know, my dream job. I, I work in human resources. Mm-hmm. Um, and you know, we, we just purchased a house, um, last year. Oh, congrats. And thank you. So we're just, you know, building our, our family here. And I think what lights me up lately is, you know, getting started on this podcast journey. I just started my podcast and, uh, just, you know, kind of sharing on my blog on, on life glows on Instagram and, um, connecting with others, really mm-hmm. talking more about my experience, um, you know, with grief, with, with really anything, um, you know, why I'm, I'm diving into this minimalism journey, which has a lot to do with the grief that I've experienced mm-hmm. this year or over the last 12 months. Um, but yeah, really sharing and connecting with others is, it's such a, a great thing in my life right now. When you were younger or even into your early adult life, we'll call it, was there much talk about death or grieving or healing, that sort of thing? Was it normalized in your home or was it something that was pushed under the rug or just gazed over or not really talked about at all? Like on my father's side of the family and on my stepdad's, because I I would really consider him like a a father figure a lot of my life. Um, They didn't really talk about it. So if somebody had died in the family, it's more so like, yep, this happened and everybody just kind of grieves alone. Mm Mm-hmm. My mom's side of the family is much more emotional. Um, so I don't know. So my mom lost her mom when she was 16 years old to breast cancer. Um, and I don't know that she ever fully um, dealt with that. Mm-hmm. Like, I think, I don't, I don't know that she went to therapy. I don't know that she processed it. So what I saw a lot growing up was just you know, a lot of sadness in my mom and it would still come up and like the way she would talk about it would feel like it, it happened like Mm. yesterday. Mm -hmm. So yeah, we didn't really talk about how to properly process grief. Um, one side was, you know, extreme and the other, you know, didn't really talk about it at all. Mm -hmm. Which I also think is something that's become so normal too, is not, having those conversations as like a family unit or within your community, especially with younger children, like properly teaching from a young age, how to deal with those emotions and how to process those emotions. And then you came, you were just saying the past 12 months, you came in touch with your own personal loss. Can you share that story with us? Yeah, of course. And I can't promise I won't, you know, not get emotional, but because one of them is rather fresh, but I still would love to talk about it because it's important to me. So my oldest friend, Vicki, uh, I've known her since I was a baby. We live next door to each other in that small apartment that I was talking about. Um, so she died actually March 20th, 2020. 
unexpectedly. Um, so, you know, I've lost my grandparents. I've lost older people where it kind of like, it's still tough, but it makes sense. And it's, it's kind of easy to process. Cause you're like, Oh, they lived a long life. And, mm-hmm. you know, even though it hurts, not like just the same, um, you know, Vicky was 27 years old. You know, I've grown up with this person. It was like my first friend that I wouldn't, you know, get to see her get married and have a baby. And I wouldn't, she wouldn't see the same for me. Like it just, gosh, it was so hard. And then when we, when we went into quarantine, um, it was right then. So it's like, you're sitting in the house and Mm. it's, it was really, really tough, you know, just going to work every day. You, You know, I'm great. I'm so grateful. Number one for my job and number two for the ability to work from home. But man, it was just like, thankfully at that point I could turn off my camera because it was a mess. Mm-hmm. Um, and then more recently, November 1st, we lost my brother. Um, I think it's important to mention my brother had mental health issues. You know, I think that one was very difficult because, you know, we had a complex relationship and what we weren't extremely close. Luckily, we had a conversation about a month before, and it was a really, really good conversation. And I hold it so close to my heart now. He's a person I had to have a lot of boundaries up with. Mm-hmm. I don't know that I effectively communicated them, and I wish I, I would have done a little bit more there. What keeps me going is really just helping support my mom through this. And mm-hmm. he has a son and a daughter and a fiance, and you know, just talking to them and like watching my nephew and and niece grow really, you know, I think that is like a source of light for me right now, but Mm -hmm. gosh, it was, it was so tough. And I think it's especially tough too with, with losing a sibling because, you know, I think we, we really want to go to our parents when we're struggling with something. And this is something that I'm like, you know, I can't, it's not my mom's burden to carry either. So it's been a lot of therapy this year. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Um, It's definitely tough. Yeah, absolutely. What was your brother's name? Nick. Nick. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. That's so heavy. It's, it's so much cumulative grief can be so incredibly difficult to navigate. And for anyone who's like, what's that really quick. It's when you experience another loss while still grieving the first and Oftentimes it manifests into like this extreme overwhelm with like a mental shutdown of sorts, which can lead to things like avoidance and void filling, numbing out, etc. But I just can't imagine like sitting with one and then having another just like thrown right on your lap. That has to be so hard, so hard. So I really appreciate you sharing about that experience because I know that you're not the only one out there, you know. Yeah, no, definitely. And I appreciate you listening and giving me the space to talk about it. I think that's definitely something that came into my mind as I'm like, when when we lost Vicky, like what was going through my head was, oh my gosh, like I can't handle one more thing. Mm-hmm. And then, you know, fast forward, I think eight months. Mm-hmm. It's It was just so much. And I, I kept thinking in my head, like, how do you cope with something that almost feels like it's uncopable is that a word mm-hmm. <laughs> like it's but yeah. it, it's like you have no choice you have to you have to find even if it's one thing so for me that was therapy once a week um and I also go to grief group once a week mm-hmm. when I can handle it sometimes I can't um and it's like I really have to parent myself there and do the hard work mm-hmm. because this is hard stuff yeah and unfortunately we all experience it and I think the like what you were saying earlier that it all happened with the pandemic starting in the beginning, right? Where it's like lockdown, especially in California, your lockdown was so much more severe. And then just things not already grieving that experience of like the world not being what it was. And in some ways that's beautiful that it's not what it was, but like, you know, mm-hmm. the overall layer, it's been really, really difficult. So aside from your grief group and therapy, what are some tools and like nourishing modalities that you've created for yourself to take care, especially with this strange time we're all living in right now? 
So two things that come to mind right away are connecting with people who do understand. Mm -hmm. So, you know, not to go off onto this whole other subcategory because we could talk about it forever is I expected when people knew that I, or family and, and friends knew that I lost a close friend or that I lost my brother. Um, I expected that the people around me would, you know, I don't, I don't know what I wanted from them, but mm. I wanted, uh, I wanted acknowledgement and I wanted to talk about it and I wanted, um, to feel supported. And I think to no fault of their own, um, they sometimes like distanced mm. or totally sorry for your loss. Like that sucks. Like wishing you a better year or like my friend mentioned that somebody said that like wishing you a better 2021. (laughs) Um, so like, and it's not there. And at first I'm like, wow, like I'm done with all of these people. Like Mm. I don't need, you know, if you're not there for me now, then like, you know, I don't, you know, want to handle it. And I would say even, you know, my husband has a, has a hard time because he's never experienced grief. Mm -hmm. Um, so they almost want to like give you a pat on the back and say they're there. Um, so that, I think that was tough. And I think for me, connecting with people who did understand was key. So mm-hmm. like talking to my my oldest friend's mom, Vicky's mom, mm-hmm. um, you know, talking to my aunt who, who lost her husband, like finding the people that do get it because you, oh gosh, it's just, or listening to a podcast, mm-hmm. your podcast or or I know there's, I found others out there, like others who have specifically lost siblings. Like I needed to know because mm-hmm. I just felt like, oh my gosh, there's, I don't understand how to even communicate how I feel. Mm-hmm. Um, so I did find people to commute, to talk to. And I think that was really, really important. And then I think the second thing was, you know, although I want to shut down and isolate, like what is something that can light me up? Like, how can I follow my curiosity a bit or how can I creatively share this? And and that's how it manifested for me is finding ways to creatively share what I was going through. Um, and I'm mindful because, you know, there's a lot of heavy, heavy emotions. And I honestly don't even feel comfortable sharing them like on my platform. Um, it just doesn't feel right and authentic to me. So I'm trying to still navigate finding a way to share that in a way that's digestible for for others who maybe aren't exactly there, but Mm. feels good to me too and is honest and authentic to me. So I think that those have been two things that are really, um, you know, have supported me through this. Yeah, that's beautiful. And I really love how you paid tribute to that very real experience of, you know, people closest to us essentially disappointing us with how they show up. Um, because we have these certain expectations of like, it's the same feeling. And I'm sure you can relate to where it's like, when the death happens, you're like, why is the world still spinning? Like, why are Mm -hmm. people still waiting in line at Starbucks? Like what the actual fuck? How do they not know that my world just ended, you know, and now has to begin again. And I think that that's a very comparable situation where you're like, how are you not (laughs) on the floor with me right now? Like sobbing and aching the way that I am. And it can feel, I had that exact same experience where I was like, well, screw this person, screw this person, screw this person. And again, it comes back to that empathy, empathy knowledge and that like education of like, we need to be better about explaining how we can all support each other. And that's, I even say that with this podcast, I'm like, don't just listen to this episode if you can relate with the title. Like, listen to it anyway because the empathy expansion from that, you don't mm-hmm. know who you're going to have to tend to or be there for months down the road, mm-hmm. years down the road, you know? But I'm so glad you said that because I had never said that out loud that I had people that, like, I felt really let down by. But, like, it's not – it's essentially not their fault. They don't have the tools. Yep. It's it's not. And I told my therapist that – um and she was just like, Joe, it sounds like you need to change your expectations, mm, which is like, how hard. how would you feel if, you know, you didn't know how to, to support somebody through that? Like, it's pretty, 
you know, it's emotionally hard for them too, because mm-hmm. they don't know what to say. So right. I was like, oh gosh, I guess you're right. Yeah. So I had to start thinking about that a little bit differently. Yeah. And it does take some weight off of your shoulders when you can then lower your expectations and just be like, okay, like start at neutral, I guess. And as we mentioned before, your natural state was to keep it internal, to kind of grieve in private. So when did that start to shift that feeling of like, wait, maybe it is okay to talk about this, that I'm not a burden for my ache and for experiencing this loss and wanting to be vocal? I think personally for me, and maybe this isn't the same for everyone, in order for me to process, I really do need to talk about it. And I need to, I want to share what a beautiful person my brother was Mm -hmm. like he was an amazing person you know he when we were at his funeral this store manager came up to me of this like dollar store and they were like yeah we somebody tried to rob the store a couple months ago and your brother actually chased them out of the store oh wow and I'm just like you know I just, I want to share him. Like, although we had this complex relationship, he had the greatest heart Mm -hmm. and the softest, he's just like the softest heart and just a good person, slightly misunderstood for sure. Mm -hmm. Um, But I was like, you know, I'm, I want to talk about him Mm -hmm. and I want to make sure that people know that everybody, you know, experiencing mental health issues is not, it shouldn't be this taboo topic. Like I myself, like I said a million times so far, go to therapy and I talk, I have to talk about these things. And sometimes it's medication. Sometimes it's meditation. Sometimes it's, you know, so like I want, I think that sharing this gives others the space to, process it on their own if that's their thing Absolutely, and it shows them it's okay mm-hmm. like, yeah yeah and I love that like keeping the the personality and like the person who your brother was alive it I think it's impactful and important to pay homage to in that way like to connect a life with a name and their soul-like personality so for anyone who's listening who's in the camp of I never know what to say to my friend partner xyz who's going through loss, oftentimes, Joe, I don't know if you agree, but oftentimes it's just a personalized question about who they were can be so incredibly healing. Or like, what's your favorite memory of like you and your brother? Recognizing that they're still very much alive in the heart of the person who's grieving. Yep. It's so true. It's like, before I lost anyone, I was like, oh no, I'm not bringing that person up. Like, Mm -hmm. gosh, do I want to ruin their entire day? Like they probably, let me tell you, like they have not forgotten about that person and they probably think about them every day. So Mm -hmm. you bringing it up is actually, I don't know when people ask me, like you just did what my brother's name was, Mm -hmm. um, you know, even favorite memory, like it just, it brings me joy. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I want, I don't want, I don't, I, I want people to know who he was. Right. And you might run the, like run into a situation where someone's like, I don't want to talk about it, but I'll still tell you that they are probably so grateful that you reached out an arm. You extended that olive branch because most of our society does not does not do that. Yeah, there, of course, is no right or wrong answer here, but how do you connect to your brother and to Vicky now? So to Nick and Vicky now, do you take time to tap into them or is it more of like a gentle awareness that you just know that they're around and that's enough? Yeah, so this one is actually <clears throat> somewhat emotional because I do have dreams mm. and I, oh, I gosh, there is this one dream of my brother Um where like the night before I had been crying and I, I asked him, I said, Nick, like, we need to know you're okay. Can you come visit me? Um, go visit mom. And I swear to you that night, he came to me in a dream. It was like probably like a month and a half after he had passed away. And he was like, Joe, you don't even know what kind of journey I'm on. I am so exhausted, but because you asked me, I'm here. 
Mm-hmm. And he was just like, you need to let this go. Like, I'm fine. I'm just, I'm going through like this super long journey and I can't, like, I couldn't be there right now with you. Wow. And I woke up and cause in the dream, I mean, it was like one of those dreams where it was like, he's here, he's in my house. Like I feel him. Yes. And he looked, he looked beautiful, but he was very tired. He was like, you don't know. They put us through like up here. It's just this whole like thing. And it's, you know, you have to go through all these different things. And I was like, okay, well, as long, thank you for coming by. Um, (laughs) So I think I asked, I asked them to come to me in my dreams and I do feel them around. Um, My brother was a smoker and I smell cigarette smoke all the time now in my house. And we're not, I mean, that's not that weird actually. Like, I'm just like, oh my gosh, like it smells like an ashtray in here. Yeah. <laughs> but I, I almost love it because it's, it's like a sign for me, mm-hmm. you know? So I would say I ask them to come to me in my dreams a lot. And then sometimes I'll just talk to them. Yeah. Out loud. Out loud. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. Oh, I love that so much. Yeah. I've, I've had like only a couple of dreams. One was pretty faint with my dad, but then one sort of like what you were saying with, Nick, where you were like, it was so real. I'm like, I I was beside myself. I mean, this was, it's been seven years. And I ran to my mom's apartment and I was like, oh my God, I just like need to say this out loud. Like he literally came to visit me. Like I could smell him. I could like make him out to a T, like what he looked like, what his energy was like. It was just the coolest experience ever. And I had always had people who had gone through loss talk about, like, how easily people came to them in their dreams, and I had so much envy, and it was one of those things where I'm like, I think you just need to be open to receiving, right? Mm -hmm. And I've never really, like, straight up asked for that sort of support from him. Um, So I love that you were like, hey, Nick, um, can you just... (laughs) make some time to visit me I'm gonna try that because I would love to experience that more it was so healing absolutely I know I know the feeling you're talking about because I called my mom too and she probably was just like what the hell I was like no he was here in the house yeah my mom was like oh yeah he comes to me all the time in my dreams I'm like that's not fair (laughs) no I know I remember um Vicky's mom sharing the same thing about Vic coming to her and I was like gosh, Vic, like, what are you waiting for? I want to see you. Um, But yeah, yeah, that brings so much peace. Totally. Absolutely. So grief and loss of any kind really can also bring forth and awaken, I guess, triggers and certain habits that don't always best serve us. But it's such a real common thing that occurs. And so again, I think it's crucial to give airtime for others out there listening. So can you talk about the ways that your grief manifested into habits that turned into like void filling or numbing agents, if you will? Yeah, definitely. Um, I I think this is pretty common. Mm -hmm. I, you know, if you look at my spending habits before March, 2020 and after, it was night and day. I really, you know, I didn't rack up like credit cards and credit cards, but I literally saved no money. Um, as I should have been, I should have putting, I'm very serious about paying my debt off. And I, I basically like paid the minimum for, for months, um, because I just kept shopping. Mm -hmm. Like I just kept like, it was like, I, would find the next thing to need right after getting something in the mail. And it was like this ongoing cycle of always needing something else. Mm -hmm. And like, you know, I order, get that adrenaline rush. It's almost like an addiction. Like you get that adrenaline rush and you feel good. You get the item and then it's no longer new and exciting. And then Mm -hmm. you needed like the hit again. So for me, it, it really manifested into just shopping and trying to fill a void. But unfortunately I learned months in, um, luckily months in that my cats, (laughs) luckily months in that, you know, no amount of shopping or swiping my credit card is going to bring my loved ones back. Mm -hmm. Um, and I was actually feeling really bad, uh, about that. And in my, habit choices. And, you know, I decided to really start to think about, um, 
you know, what is important to me, what is valuable to me and how can I shift what I'm doing to actually serve me and my values because Mm -hmm. a new outfit in the middle of quarantine isn't doing much for me. Okay. Mm -hmm. So yeah, that's basically what I, what I went through. Yeah. And we have similar stories in that way, which we've talked about, like our grief and pain turning into like going through that vicious cycle of spending and filling the void and numbing out and then turning into this like sacred need to slow down and minimize our lifestyle, um, which your Instagram so beautifully does. Um, you, you share such like just attainable tips and inspiration just to like almost just take a deep breath and be like, I actually am not without, which is a really lovely daily reminder. So can you walk us through that journey and how you started to support yourself in that way? What did you tend to first? Was it like the minimalism? Was it the intention or was it the, um, the kind of starting to tackle your debt in a more aggressive way? Yeah. So I would say it started with minimalism Mm -hmm. because like, let's say if I'm just considering my values, you know, my values, I know what they are. Uh, you know, the two main buckets are knowledge. Mm -hmm. Um, so learning is huge for me. Like I'm always absorbing everything I can. And maybe that's the projector in me just Mm -hmm. taking everything. And I have to have all this information. Um, and then the second is wellness. Mm -hmm. So, you know, my grocery budget is a little bit higher. Mm -hmm. Um, I love supplements. I love, you know, learning about gut health and spending money on functional medicine, things Mm -hmm. like that. So when I was looking around me, you know, it's not necessarily cluttered where it wasn't. Um, but I had a lot of this extra stuff, some of which I had probably bought over the last year. And I, I really asked myself, uh, does this speak to, you know, the space that I want? And, you know, does this allow the things that I truly value to shine? Um, or is this really taking up space and mental space, like mental Mm -hmm. clutter? So I really started to declutter heavily and I'm actually still in that process where, you know, I find something new, um, every month where I'm just like, I don't need this at all. Mm-hmm. Um, and it doesn't make sense for me and like the lifestyle I want, but I would say I started there and then I started just getting really intentional about my purchases in general. Like instead of impulsively deciding to, buy every single thing that I wanted, um, I really started to think about what will actually serve me long-term, um, not just what will make me happy next weekend when I receive it. And then it's just going to go in a pile somewhere. Mm -hmm. So yeah, I started to get really intentional there. And that actually served the debt part of the journey because, um, you know, I, I follow a budget at this point. I, also am very close to being debt-free. I actually Yay. thought that I would be, thank you. I thought I would be debt-free at the end of 2021, but it looks like it's going to be around August of this year. That's amazing. So that intentional piece yeah. of it really served me in that way. So, um, and it takes away a lot of the guilt and we talked about this too, and I don't think you should feel guilty for spending, mm-hmm. but yeah. what I felt guilty for was for, honestly, for the way I was treating myself Mm -hmm. like I'm numbing myself in this way and like I'm trying to fill my cup or support myself in a way that's never gonna work um and that's not sustainable yeah Yeah. you know it's not sustainable icky um so yeah I can relate so much where I started getting to a point So for me, like when you were talking about how like you really value like supplements and stuff like that, I really value um, body work, like massages and Reiki and seeing healers where that feels supportive to me. And I remember there's always one message that comes through whenever I see a medium. I mean, my dad will come and visit a lot, but like there's always and it's like a way that they say it. But essentially, he always tells me that he's proud. And I remember when I was on my void filling journey and just like buying whatever I wanted on Amazon. So it's just like, like something take over, take place of how I feel. I started feeling really guilty too, where I was like, how could he be proud of me? Or like, there's, there's no 
way that if he were Earthside and he was seeing me do this, there's no way that he would be supportive or that I, I wouldn't get a slap on the wrist and he would be like, what are you doing? And so it was almost like this, this shift where now I look at it as like, am I honoring his legacy and sort of like what he taught me about intentional living? And my dad came from nothing and built a really beautiful life. And so it's like, am I am I honoring him by living this way? No, you know, and it doesn't all have to be about him. But when you can have that extra like cloud to sort of sit on to support you through making a lifestyle change, I think that can make all the difference. Yeah, I think that that's such a good point. And, you know, I feel like most of us go through that. And it's, it's like that learning curve. Um, you just kind of have to go through. Mm-hmm. But yeah, it feels good not to, to feel like something's <laughs> controlling you. you yeah. Know? Yeah. I mean, um, like, and I think it. with all of us too, we, we were, we are, we definitely were big time in the beginning, grieving COVID, like a whole different way of like communicating and not seeing the people that we love and like strangers we don't know losing their lives and that I mean I went backwards a thousand steps and was buying sweatshirts and sweatpants and books and like all this stuff on Amazon because I was like I am fucking uncomfortable like (laughs) I just don't even know how to process what we're going through and I know I'm not alone there too and so I think Yeah, I'm kind of patting myself and you on the back for being open about this because a lot of people don't want to be like, yeah, when I'm in a pickle or I feel uncomfortable, I spend, you know, because there can be like some shame around that, but it's actually so incredibly normal. Yeah, totally. And you're you're right about the shame because even I find myself when I talk about this, I'm like, gosh, if anyone hears this, they're going to think I'm like a shopaholic totally. or I'm in this major debt and and then I, I find the need to like reiterate, oh no, that's not the case. But then I'm like, why, why are you so afraid of being judged about that? Mm-hmm. Like there's many people that, you know, whether it's a small habit or a big habit, either way, like it, for me, it could have turned into a big habit. Yeah. So no shame there. I think, especially the amount that we're in, like of influencing that happens behind the scenes or just the things we don't even know subliminally that are happening. It's, it's totally normal these days. Yeah. Um, And somebody out there needs to hear your complete honesty to feel supported. And so really it's like this really beautiful circle of the more of our truth that we're willing to speak, you know, the more others are able to kind of step out and be like, okay, wait, I'm okay here, you know, like, and I can change you know, the change is possible. And that's the first step. Like, because we share our own experiences that, that makes them feel comfortable and supported in sharing their own. And that's the first step to changing, like you're saying. So, yeah, absolutely. And so with this approach to minimalism really quick for everyone listening, because, um, you and I talked about this on your podcast too. And I know I gave my answer, but I would love for you to explain what that means to you because that word can sometimes be a little trendy or people automatically go to one sofa, one chair, one lamp, white walls, whatever. Um, And I've explained in my own words that it's really, you know, everything that I have has, gives me deep joy and intention um, and it has purpose. And so I'd really love to hear in your own words, like what that means to you. Yeah, it's, For me, and I guess, like you're saying, it's different for everyone, but I started, um, I, the first time I actually heard about it, I think I was reading, uh, Marie Kondo, uh, the magic of tidying up. Mm -hmm. The magical joy of tidying up, I think, or something. Yeah. 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 Mm -hmm. Yeah, exactly. So I started reading that and I think that was always in the back of my mind. Um, and for me, it's really just thinking about my value. So if I, if I have all of this stuff surrounding me and especially the incremental just clutter and on top of the things that I really value, I don't know that the things that I really value are, you know, what I see most often, or I'm able to get as much joy out of them because there's so much surrounding it. So one good example is a closet. You know, I have 
let's say I have 20 shirts. I absolutely love five of them, but they're constantly buried within the other 15 uh, that surround it. And, you know, it just, it's for me, it's a way of, this is a quote, and uh, unfortunately I don't know who, who said it, but, or I don't recall, but eliminate the unnecessary so that the necessary may speak mm. like, whoa, <laughs> you know, that's mm-hmm. for me. I'm like, that's what I want to do. I want my life to be this beautiful life that I curate and create, you know, specifically based on, you know, what I love and what brings me joy. And I've, <laughs> I've done a ton of donating, selling, um, yeah, mostly donating and selling of all of the things that are, were just kind of taking up space. Mm-hmm. Um, and I'm trying to to make my space into this, you know, sanctuary where it's it's everything that I love and use. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I just think that's, you know, really important to me. And this all comes full circle because when you create, so I talk about this in the declutter method, which... I know that you're going to try, which I'm so excited about, but I talk about this a lot where it's like, you know, our, our homes, our outside reflects our inside. And when we can sync those up, it also gives you permission to heal in the way that you need to heal. I just think that that's so important and something that, you know, it's, it's not an accident that you are so intentional about your home and the things that are surrounding you um, while you're also in a lot of pain. And I think that's a really beautiful connection to make that when your space is a sanctuary, it allows for some really deep and like integrative healing. Have you started to feel that to be true? I, I think that it, it has become that way. And it's like, when I think about the end of my own life, um, mm. you know, hopefully I'm a hundred years old and have grandkids and whatever else. Um, but when I think about that, I'm just this, all of this stuff is, it becomes less important. You know, it's like, even like take away the space and all of that, like my sanctuary, feeling comfortable where I am, like making memories here, um, you know, coming home to, you know, a clean decluttered house, um, you know, having family visit, having friends visit, like those are the things that's important to me. Like spending my time cleaning all the time and taking care of stuff. Going to the world and yeah. Oh my gosh. I don't want to, you know, I don't want to even spend my time doing that stuff. Mm -hmm. I I really want, it it gets me thinking to experiencing the loss of I guess just about the more important things in general and, and how I see, um, how, what I want out of my life. I love that you fast forwarded to the end of your life. I think that is so like such a powerful practice to do that. Like when, when this is all gone, what is left? Right. Mm -hmm. And, And like to go even further, what is left, what is going to be here for, for my loved ones to sift through, um, I just went through that experience with my childhood home and it was so fucking hard. God bless my dad, but he kept everything and that almost made it, it was like bittersweet, you know, but like I remember looking at my mom and my mom was like, baby, this was 30 plus years in this house. So many memories, so so much stuff accumulates, you know, over that time. And in my head, I remember being like, yes, that's true. And I said, but I will not do this. Like, this cannot, this cannot be how, I don't want how I felt for my children to feel when they're Absolutely. having, oh, it was so difficult. So I really love that you, that you brought that up because I've had that, like, passing thought. But I think almost even to, like, meditate on that is, would be really, really powerful. Yeah, it's, it's so true. It's, it's really only been since experiencing these things that mm-hmm. I've even thought about it because we don't want to think about it, mm-hmm. but you know, it's something we all have to go through mm-hmm. um, and it really helps you get clear. Absolutely. <laughs> and it doesn't have you know. to be scary. You know, it can be, it can mm-hmm. be to fuel your purpose and um, to kind of highlight what your values are. It doesn't have to be this like morbid approach, you know? Yeah, Absolutely. 
Well, thank you so much for coming on and sharing your story with all of us. I just can't tell you how much it means to be able to hold this space for you and just how expansive you cracking open um, could be to someone who's buried in their own ache. So thank you. And I'm just so glad that we met. Same here. Seriously, thank you for giving me the space to talk about my brother and my friend. Um, yeah, it's it's definitely uh, been quite a year, but it's, you know, connecting with you and connecting with others who are experiencing this and helping others, um, understand that, you know, there's, there's people out there who get it and are, are going through this with you, Mm -hmm. um, you know, is, is definitely really important. So, yeah. And just like to, to understand and to be surrounded by people who don't expect you to recover, right. Instead, just like want the best healing journey for you possible. Absolutely. Yeah. That is definitely how I feel towards you and even towards myself. You know, I'm like, this isn't, I'm not going to recover from this. This is not like a 12 step program. This is my life. And you know, what happened to us happened to us. And now we get to pay it forward and hold other people in this space too. So before we go though, where can people find and connect with you? Her Instagram, like I said, is lovely. Thank you so much. I'm, I'm really trying to, to, you know, share things that I just feel called to share there. So Mm -hmm. I really appreciate you, um, you know, seeing it and, and following, but it's, so my Instagram is at life glows on, uh, and my blog is lifeglowson.com. I, I kind of do like a post a month, but I might be doing uh, more frequently. And then I also have my podcast life with less. Yes awesome. Thank you so much again for sharing yourself with us. I am so grateful. Of course. I'm so grateful for you. Thank you so much for tuning into today's episode with Joe of Life Glows On talking all about her grief journey. These episodes are so, so dear to my heart. And if there's someone that you think would benefit from hearing these conversations, please feel free to share. Also, if you have a second and you feel called, I would be so grateful if you would head to iTunes and leave a rating and review. This is truly the best way to support the podcast and to make sure that it lands in the laps of those who need it most. See you back here next week.